Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. You're listening to the Hunting Land Man podcast. This is Slade Priest, your host, the Hunting Land Man. Rack buck down here on opening day. If you're interested in rack bucks and real estate and everything that has to do with hunting property, this is the podcast for you. Well, hey, it's your host, the Hunting Land Man, here on the Hunting Land Man podcast. I think this is 45. Uh, we're doing two today. This is the second one. Um, as always, it's brought to you by Southern Ag Credit. They take really good care of us and our clients. I've got Barrett Van Cleve, Barrett Van Cleve, the big buck killer here with us. Y'all have heard Barrett on here before. Barrett, thank you for being here. Glad to be here, ma'am. Well, um, it's mine and Barrett's probably favorite time of year that's not deer season. It's like uh I don't know, you're you're getting all your deer pictures. We're we're recording this uh what uh what is it? Three, uh, about three weeks out from Bill. Yeah, September yeah. 1st. Yeah, September first. Okay. What we want to talk about today is what what we're doing in order to get ready for hunting season. Um, you know, targeting from targeting deer to finding shooters to planting plots, hanging stands, all that kind of stuff. And and the reason I, me and Barrett have talked about this before on the podcast, but any deer hunter every year they should be learning. There should be something a deer teaches them or something. That, that a deer did that he's excited about doing this year. And I think Barrett's one of the best at that. Um, uh, I f- the last time that I hunted with Barrett, I filmed him shoot a 157 in uh, Wilkeson County. So enough said. Yeah. And that was on open today. If you heard that on the intro, a rack buck down on open today, uh, that was a different year. But Barrett was doing the same thing. That was in Mississippi too. Well, Barrett, it is uh, September. Um Tell me, okay, walk me through the past, your past six weeks. Okay. Uh, and then tell me what's the game plan going forward. So about a month ago, kind of started getting things in order. Took down most of my lock-ons. And, but um, you've been feeding most oh, of the oh, year. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, took down most of the lock-ons, checked the straps, Put stands back up. I've got some stands that have been in the same tree for ten years, and it that gets to a point where you know you you got to kind of be safe. It you know it's aggravating. It's, some of them are growing into the tree, which is not ideal. But if you brush that stand in properly, you can get away with leaving a stand in a tree that long. If if the deer is coming by there and he can distinguish between when you're in it and when you're not in it, then then it's a problem. And they you know they may 
figure out, okay, this is obviously a tree stand right here. And we're and, and Barrett and I are mostly hunting over food sources, you know, if it's feeders or food plots. So you're talking you're not talking about fooling one or two when they're walking by. You're talking about fooling a dozen or right, more. Exactly. So me and Parker went 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 down to one of the main places that we hunt. We we started taking we started in the back and, and went to the front. And we even did um we 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 did our shooting lanes early enough. I shot him with a shotgun. I climbed up in a lock on. That works. And so, you know, bird shot, instead of having to take six feet of a tree to, to, to get 14 inches that's in the way, you just shoot 14 inches. Shoot that one limb off. And you, I don't recommend doing that, you know, two weeks bef- two weeks out. But that situation, it was long enough, you know, I felt like, well, we got plenty of time. Let everything die back down. And some of these spots, I haven't had anything going, but I know that I will, depending on when we get a little bit closer. I'm still battling with the bears and all, so I don't. You got hogs right now. I do have pig. Yeah, I've got hogs. I don't know. I've got so many corrals now. I'm seeing sign, um, but you know, as of right now, the bears are more of an issue than the than the hogs are. And see, Barrett's uh, in Wilson County, but he's mostly well. One of his farms, his main farm he hunts, is is west of sixty one, which is the Majority of our bear problem is west of sixty one. Yeah, most most bears, even the ones that are coming this way, I guarantee you, they got they got a birth certificate address, you know, within a mile of, of my place, and you know we're not that far from the river. So we took stands down, put stands back up, beefed some straps up, shot shooting lanes, and then that way, right before probably next weekend, go ahead and go brush them in. But that's that takes five ten minutes max. And I don't do that around the stand. I actually leave some dog fennel, cedar grass type stuff in areas where I can run in. And, and like sometimes I even get it off of another farm and take it down that way. And I've seen Barrett do this. I, it's actually one of the first time Barrett brings zip ties up in the tree and oh, yeah. zip tied. Yeah, because a lot of a lot of times you can't put stuff where you need it until after you get in the stand. So, you know, sometimes I'll just have a pile of it with a zip tie around it and then once I get in the in the in the lock on then I'll move that back and you know block my essentially I'm sitting in a in a bird's nest and that's what I go back to with the with the you can get away with leaving a stand in a tree that long cuz in a lot of mobile guys you know in our public land you can't do that for one cuz you can't leave a stand you know overnight but even on some private land stuff, I know some guys that move stuff around because they say, "Well, the deer figure the spot out." What that what they're actually doing though is they're 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 coming by there when you're in there and they're seeing that blob, and then you know, when you're not there, it's 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 a void right there. So as long as it looks the same every time they come by there, they have no idea whether you're there. Or I'm not. gonna interject right here something that Barrett's saying without he's saying it. Also, <laughs> Barrett and I have deer on the brain as much as any human in in this country. That's the truth. The only time we don't have a lot of deer on the brain is during turkey season. And then, but so even with that amount, what was that number you told me? Number of hunts? uh, uh, Me and you talking about earlier this week? Uh, twelve to fifteen. Okay, so Caleb, I I couldn't hit a number. How many times did me and you hunt for bucks in Mississippi last year? That's what I'm saying. Like we live and breathe it, but. I mean, I'm gonna say ten to fifteen. So, and a, we were, and a, we, and it took nine, me ninety day, ninety day, one hundred twenty day season. Yeah, hundred twenty day season, and it took me till December the twenty sixth to kill my my buck, and I only hunted that much. Usually, usually I kill my my primary buck and then focusing on kids after that. So, 
Now, did I go bow hunting a lot more than that? Yeah, I shot hogs. And look, if I if I just if it's a pretty afternoon, I just want to go and I don't have a deer coming. I'm going to go shoot a doe. I'm going to have fun. I love bow hunting. But when it comes to the stands like Barrett's talking about, you're talking about like we're not hunting in there very much. And right. when we get out of the stand, if the field's full, you know, we may – I've done it, Barrett's done it, wait an hour after dark. Like there's – this isn't by accident that people keep having these success. Y'all hear me on the podcast all the time talk about I'm a scent Nazi. Well, Barrett is a scent Nazi as bad or worse than me. Um tell me from zero to a hundred how accurate this statement is if you consistently kill big bucks let's say in our area you know mississippi louisiana with a bow how if how much of it i get i would guarantee if you consistently do that that you're extremely good with your scent a hundred percent and i'm not saying you can't walk out of church's chicken and throw a pair. I mean, it happens. You you get away. Sometimes you get away, and then and sometimes people get away with one, you know, something, and then they they're like, well, you know, all that stuff. So, and that's why there's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of really good deer hunters out there that don't that believe don't, don't take it seriously at all, and they don't know what serious is. Serious is, I've I've bitched out cameramen before because they went in there they went in the gas station with the hat. I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, 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 this is like, like when I walk in vines and I see people that have walked out of the stand with their green rubber boots on and they got their element or their scent locker, their sitcom going hunting. I'm like, they ain't killing nothing. I don't even touch, I don't even touch my bow or anything unless my, it's like I'm a surgeon fixing to go, you know, operate on somebody. When I get out of the shower and it's, it literally, I'm, everything I touch, I'm, I'm sitting there, like I'm, I'm walking around like I'm a germaphobe, you know, just being very conscious of every little thing that I touch because it doesn't, you know, and in the big picture of things, is it making a difference? I don't know. Mentally to me though, is I, if, if I'm as sharp as possible, then I'm, I'm enjoying myself more in the stand. I'm, Coach Prime I'm says most, you look good, you play yeah, good. More focused in and, you know, my confidence is up and I just overall have a better experience in the tree. Okay, I, I, I interrupted Barry and we got on that. I want to talk about, you know, why, you know, why those stands can stay there and do that kind of thing. Okay, so you're brushing in stands and stuff like that. Let's go into deer. What are we doing deer and place prep um, wise? What do we, uh, when are, when are you, have you already found most of your shoot? What's the? Yeah, so I got uh, the last two nights I've had a really good deer that just popped up. I've been anticipating his you know so you know him arrival yeah and i actually he's he's more of a loose cannon than another deer that i've got and i really may make a i, I, I may roll the dice on him on the velvet season just because it's always been a bucket list of mine to kill a really big eight point and that you know that's these are poor pitiful me problems i've never killed a really big eight point most of the time, if I've got a really good four-year-old eight-point, by the time he's five, he's throwing double kickers or, you know, G4s, and he's not an eight-point anymore. But this deer actually went from a 10 last year back down to a slick eight. And I'm really fired up for him. So he's really kind of moving towards my number one at this very moment. And, I, and I've got a 150 on camera. So, but I don't have the real estate to, to play the game with that 150. And I don't want to go... 
establish that spot right now because of it in the past history that area is really really bad with bears it's you know i just know that it that's going to be a that's going to be a three-day ordeal i'm gonna make a three-day push on that deer and if i make it happen I'll make it happen. yeah and just not really you know and, it, and the bad thing about that is there's some other shooters in that area but I, I really think less is more right now and that's not something i normally do but it's worth a try this year and so barrett's always you know you, okay he's he he's figuring out how to work around bears. He's figuring out, okay, three-day window. We talked about earlier this week, a fresh a fresh place with, like, a fresh feeder or something like that. It's, like, sometimes, like, that, that brand-new freshness, like, they'll day, like, day three. Right. It's it's a weird dynamic. And 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 that's what's so fun about these whitetails and hunting them around here. And anybody who's sitting out there listening, y'all hunting deer over bait, you just pull out a pile of corn, whatever. Yeah. Let me, let me give you a bow and go shoot a big mature deer in southwest Mississippi, and you tell me how easy it is. Yeah. Um, but it's so fun. You know, we get to see a lot of deer we hunt. And I think that's one thing. So when Barrett and I go hunt, usually if, if we're going, not just hunting, just if we're going buck hunting, like there's this high percentage we're going to see or have an encounter with our shooter. And, and, and I think a lot of people that are successful around here and, and, and even in the Midwest and stuff, you're not just going to hunt because it's a day to hunt. If you do go shoot a doe, go to an, an, another spot. But the but like we, me and Barrett pick about it all the time. There is people on October first that will be sitting a spot where a buck comes two hours after daylight, and he's never daylighted. Like but, you're just boogering up the spot. Yeah, but they think, man, it's opening morning. He's he's gonna come. You know, he's gonna he's gonna stroll in there, and he he may. But if he doesn't, well, guess what? There's a good possibility he smelled you, saw you. You bumped him, and you just made it even worse, you know. Or, or you, or you spooked season. the young bucks. You spooked everybody that would get him in. Where, where, which? And if you're listening out there, and you say, "Okay, what's the right move?" Then there is no right or wrong. But what the move I would make, and I think Barrett would make, is let's watch that deer. Let's move some stuff around. Let's move some stands around. Move some cameras around. Let's see if we can figure out where he'll daylight or when he'll daylight. And so that's so much what we're doing with these cameras these days is predicting daylight movement. Okay. So I'm like every app out there with weather and deer cast and you name it. And so you're sitting out there and you're saying, okay, this deer's coming. Hey, you know, every once in a while he'll daylight, but not enough to predict. And then, okay, he hadn't daylighted, but next week we got a 15 degree temperature drop. We got the right wind risking it for the biscuit today. Yeah. Predictive day, you know, predicting daylight movement. Um, actually gets me fired up just talking about this stuff. Let's keep working on our list. All right. So, so we're we're let's say we're up to where we are now. What is your you, you've kind of gotten your shooters figured out that are living on you now, and that will change. Uh, what is your procedure from here from here on out as far as making sure your feed feeders and stands and activity on your place? Um, let me tell you about activity, and then I'll let Barrett answer that question. I use this example all the time. So with the, the morning we killed that 157, we've talked about this before, giant deer, just a big hammer. He was right after daylight. Heck, I think it was the first deer we saw. Yeah, first deer yeah. we saw. Yeah, it was. First deer we saw. Barrett rode, it was in the morning, Barrett rode down for like two weeks before daylight, and that, that stands on a road, and rode through there, 
made a little noise, like 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 he's freshening up his feeder and stuff like that, and moved on and watched the camera to see what happened. Well, that buck, guess what? He kept coming. So we knew we could risk it for the biscuit. We rode on the back of the truck and did the exact same thing. I'm talking about sound of a bucket. Exact same thing. And look, 20 minutes after daylight, I told Barrett, I said, there he is. And, 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 and the rest is history. He's on Barrett's wall. So... That's the kind of when I when I talk about access and things you're learning. So tell me what you're doing and what you've learned since then that we that you're doing do in the next couple of weeks. So I've got I've got one spot that spot for for whatever reason ever since eighteen is just not really. I mean I've killed some good deer out of that out of that same tree, but it's not this year that as of as of today there's nothing there's zero shooters there. But right up the road from there, I have another deer that this is my third year to fool with him. This is the first year that I I, I really. I know he's, I'm 100% sure he's five. I would not be surprised if he's six. It all depends on that first year that you get him. You know, you, you don't really know. Was he three? Was he four? Right. You don't really know what he was the year before when he was just a, you know, six or an eight, whatever his first set. So that deer has been notorious the last couple of years for whatever reason. He leaves first part of November and I don't know where he goes. Wherever he's going, he's, he's safe. And I, I mean, I, I really, if, if you gave me the option to, to kill him or collar him, and I'd, I'd rather collar him and learn, you know, what he's what he's doing. And he, he actually was running with a 10 point the last two years, and I have not seen the 10 come back yet. And this time last year, the 10 was already back. So I'm afraid that the 10's no longer with us. But this deer is one of these deer that you, activity-wise, you kind of want to it's right off of the roads, very similar spot to the to, to where we went opening morning in eighteen. And this spot is, you know, you've got you kind of want to traffic that road a little bit. And you know, even if I dump a piece of a bag of, I'm still feeding antler max right now, so or protein. So if you if you, you still want to dump something in there just to let him know he smells your boot tracks, probably you want him to when he hears that truck because it's I, normal to him. Yeah, and I really think he's set. My fear with this deer is, and and Parker knows that we're, this is definitely a drop off, you know, spot, and he, and I'm actually going to send him, you know, into the into the corral, and pour a little feed in the trough. I am afraid that that deer is laying on the side of a ridge, and the difference in me killing that deer is going to be, can he see me climb that ladder? And I really think he's close enough that if he wants to see me climb that ladder, he can. He may be smarter than we know. Because it's so funny. It doesn't matter. I, th- I thought at first, okay, well, it's just because he comes in there. You know, I'm normally leaving after a work day, you know, 6.30 or so. He's coming in at 7 because that's the time. You know, he's he started his journey from way off, mm-hmm. and it just so happens it looks that way. But then I'll go down there sometimes in the middle of the day, and 30 minutes after I leave, he's standing there. So I'm very curious to see. And, I, and that's one I kind of need to – that's why I'm going to be torn with this big eight between this, this deer and that big eight is. And in velvet season, if you don't know, so that's September 15th through 18th, you only get one. Right. And I'm, 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 he, he's such, he, he, he could leave, he could go to this spot he's going to. I mean, right now, man, leaves are falling. It, it looks like November outside. He could think it's November. And, you know, so th- that's just something I'm going to just have to really ponder on and, and, and you know, make a call here. You know, if that, if, and if, I, if that other, if the slick eight never daylights, it'll be an easy decision. I'm, you know, I'm going to go for him. But, you know, I really hope he cannot see that ladder 
from whatever. And I've actually a big red oak limb blew down in that food plot, and I have left it because it's keeping deer from, from swinging a little too close to that lock on. And unfortunately, some of the foliage and all is starting to fall off of it, so it's not as brushy as it was. And I may even go in there and throw some additional mm-hmm. tops and stuff on there. And but I don't know that he's coming from that direction, but I know some does are. So I don't want to be in a situation where I'm standing up. He here he comes up the ridge past the old. You can't do him in the morning like like we've done. He's not a big morning deer. I don't. I, I don't. I don't think so. I think he's too close. And I and I haven't done. I haven't. I haven't. I haven't been. I haven't you know, got him used to morning activity. And I don't plan, I don't know when I would have the time to do that uh, this year. So, you know, that's just going to be a game time decision and, you know, go from there. I'm hoping that in the next 30 days, me and Barrett are getting ready to close 530 acres in Jefferson County. Yeah, me and you both. But, um, all right, Barrett, so so you, you got a deer that's living by the road. And, of course, see, what that tells me, and I know this, is, Everyone in jokers have a personality. Yeah. Like and and look, I've got deer like that 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 the spots on the road that like I won't go in there unless I drive in there because they're just used to it. We're in a logging area. Uh, a bunch of the places we hunt, there's always logging and stuff going on. So this is a normal thing. Um, you know, if you don't have a whole lot of activity on your place, and on Friday you try this the day before opening day, it ain't gonna work. No. It's this is this is something like my house. I have seen last year as a five-year-old, we're hunting, he's six, he's still alive. Me and Caleb were heading out last year, and we waved at him on the way by before daylight in the field. Used to it. Now, he was a booger to kill. Couldn't kill him with a rifle last year, but we'll be after him again this year. So every one of them is different. Barrett is telling you, um, he keeps referencing, okay, this deer leaves, this deer's a homeboy. He Barrett knows at certain dates he's going to get, if the deer made it, which a lot of times we know if they made it, the he'll inherit those deer back. I've got my best deer, or should be my best deer. I know he made it. He, he should come to me mid-October. Um, I've been preparing. It's a weird thing. I've been preparing the three food plots he will come to. High anticipation of him coming. And that's uh, I've already sprayed them, so I'm going to plant them a little bit earlier. I'm doing some different things. i got some different feeders. i got one place without a feeder and doing some different things because every one of them have a personality. I heard Mark Drury. I was listening to a podcast, and it's crazy because you know, deer are deer. And and he talks about these exact same things. He's doing it, you know, 190-inch deer, 200-inch deer in Iowa. But it's the same principles. Like, like Bear, answer me this, and I know this. There's deer that we'll get pictures of. We know we'll probably we'll never kill that deer. Where he lives, he, he leaves, whatever. Mark was talking about that on on the podcast. He's also talking about like that deer's a homeboy. Oh, that deer lives right there. He will die. Like right. Like and the and it's the same thing here. I've always said you could do a jury's thirteen in the south on feeders and food plots and I start planning in my mind killability of a deer when he's three. And right now, I I can I can, and this and this you know this deer. Or the one we just got done talking about, he's an everydayer. So I'm excited about that. The 150 I spoke of earlier, you you go back the last three because this is the maybe the fourth year I've had this deer on camera. But go back. That's the multiple point year. The well, I call him the wraparound buck. Yeah. So go back three the last three seasons. If he was a shooter for the last three years, I don't kill him. And now I never, I never made a push. I never got real aggressive, and because you know he hasn't been of age, but he's 
he's just, you know, it's going to be a, I mean, that's no doubt about it, the best year I've got on camera, but I don't want to go burn good seat time over there when I got, you know, a more of a guaranteed up the road. So, you know, see how, see what happens with him. But Barry, I know you're big on this and I know uh, I was listening to Mark, he was talking about dates they daylighted in the past, go back old camera, yep. old cards, uh, old files and say, okay, he daylighted this day and these were the conditions. I wish I was, I wish I, I'm starting to keep better records of that. Yeah. And the wraparound deer was a shooter last year and he, the year before, like the 13th of January or something, he had gotten to where he daylighted two or three mornings in a row. And I was ready for that this year. Not only did he not daylight on those same days, I didn't even have pictures of him on those same days. So sometimes that's not an exact science, but it's, it's something that you need to be mindful of and you need to be watching because it is crazy how many times they will literally do the same thing a year, you know, a year apart. And it's crazy. Like what I'm talking about my deer that I'm hoping going to show up you know, that I know made it through last year. I've been talking to Craig about, okay, what dates did you have him first last year? Like, like trying to predict, okay, when he's going to be here. I know it's going to be when I'm out of town. Right. <laughs> but, but, uh, Caleb said he knows the spots and he sees the cameras so he'll go get him. But man, I'm going it's just, it's just so fun. Like to, I don't know, to, to be blessed enough with places that you can follow deer and stuff like that. But last night I was texting Barrett. I was texting Caleb too. Last night, two deer came to the uh, one of my feeders together, and I figured out, oh, that's who that is, and that's who that is, because I was looking yesterday at a picture sitting right here of a bow standing at that feeder. Oh, okay, that's that deer, and that's that deer. And so I know the uh, the lone brow deer we're talking about, he's killable, but not easy. Me and Caleb could have killed him. La- well, I could have killed him last year. Caleb couldn't get him on video. That's the only reason he's alive. He's a good shooter. The other deer, though, he was pretty killable, so I'm pretty excited. He's impressive this year, a big framing deer. Yeah, we passed him up last year, and uh, so it, it. So my brain goes to, well, they're probably going to be the same predictability. I, I have noticed that, and and I know this from Tatum and, and Midwest and talking to Bill Winky and people like that is, I think sometimes in the last couple of years, you know, the two deer I killed. Arguably, were they six or seven? You know, three and four years of history with them. I think when they get old like that, that I know it, that that home range and you see it. They, oh, yeah. They're more. I'm not saying they're easier to kill. They're more predictable. Yeah, they're going to be in an area. But sometimes when they shrink that home range down, think back to 2016. You remember baby situation, the good twelve that lost all that tie length yeah. by the time I finally shot him. That you hunted him as a shooter three years. Yeah. That was a, yeah, debacle. Yeah, we did a whole po- whole podcast the, it, on him. It was the same. It was the same amount of time, probably as situation, but it didn't take three shots. You know, it was a. One, you named one that done. we named that near situation on that New Mexico elk on the side of the mountain. Sure yeah. did. A Jersey Shore was real popular. That <laughs> yeah, situation. He was a hammer. What was that deer? One fifty eight. No, he was he was like one right at one fifty. Okay. Just a perfect, I mean, as pretty of a 10 as you could ask for. He took some pretty pictures. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they, uh, what we need to do, uh, I want to definitely do this. When we do this podcast and we post it online, I want to get, uh, a bunch of Barrett's deer and put them on the page so people can reference what we're talking about. Look, I think, I think Barrett killed six, you six one fifties in four years or something like that. Yeah. In a bow. It was a heck of a run. Mm-hmm. The uh, 
he talks about the good old days, and yeah. I, I hope they're not gone. You know, neighbors have changed in that area, and things have changed. Yeah. Um, me and Bear are going to do a podcast speaking. We talked about it the other day about a good neighbor is all sometimes not the right neighbor, and right. And, and 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 there's never been more evident than that that situation. A good neighbor, a great a great neighbor is a sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Somebody that owns a piece of property, they may come down there twice a year, Thanksgiving, Christmas. Because uh, you could have even a, if they shoot one or two of the wrong ones. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. They could shoot. They could shoot five two year olds on a big enough track. A, the the problem with a with a good neighbor that hunts is well, he's probably feeding. He's probably killing seventy percent of the shooters that you're sharing. You know, back and forth, and you know, it's just a. It, I've I've seen it. I've seen my place change comp- in ten uh as a matter of fact, this year will be ten years from the, my first one hundred and fifty, and in the last decade, I've it, it's almost like a different piece of property. And so, what a and we'll do another. I'm seriously going to do another podcast. But what a if 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 a neighbor shoots, okay, let's say he's shooting all five year olds, and in 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 fairness, anybody who's shooting all five year olds, a four year old, a couple four year olds gonna get shot. It, right. it happens, and and that's not the end of the world. But the problem is. Whenever you're shooting every five-year-old out there and any six-year-olds that hadn't made, when you're killing them all, you're relying on four-year-olds. You're relying on four-year-olds, and, and you know you probably dipped a little bit, so you're relying on four-year-olds to replace those every year, replace those every year. I'm fortunate on places I hunt right here around my house, there's a lot of large landowners that deer make it to older ages by accident. People just don't hunt. And I'm case in point. I killed my big deer last year. And, and I don't know if I'd buck hunting again. I was trying to get kids on deer and stuff like that because I was kind of satisfied. You know, I'm not going to got to kill every one of them and stuff like that. And and so I don't, it, I mean, that that's, that's, for the lack of a better word, that's poor pitiful me problems. Right. You know, oh man, my, I can only hunt the five-year-olds. But we're, I mean, we're talking about top end places. And then if, you know, if we, if you've been fortunate enough, to, you can't learn what Baird and I have learned if you don't hunt any of these top end places, right? Because how come? How much can you learn about a mature deer if you never see one? If you right. never interact with one? If you've never followed one for four or five years and got him on camera? Um, and 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 that's to me that's my favorite part of hunting around here is following those deer. That's just fun. And as few as few hunts, serious hunts as I make and you probably make, you better enjoy the the chase and the and the the, the, the strategic moves that, that, that are going on or not going on, you know, away from the woods. There's a lot of hunting that goes on, you know. On from, that phone right yeah, there. Exactly. So, because, I mean, it, and if not, you're going to get burnt out quick. Yeah, you got you got to enjoy the process. And I enjoy, I enjoy the, speaking of, we'll get to our next topic. I enjoy the looking at these reveal trail cameras right here, going to shoot that hog whenever we get done with this podcast, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, you know, and I enjoy like okay, I'm gonna do this this different with a food plot. I'm gonna plant this. I'm gonna do some shield. I'm gonna do that. that's just fun. I got my front yard. I did an experiment this year that I will redo next year. We're in a severe drought, and I've got more bucks. I got food like crazy. Um, I'm just always experimenting. It's fun. Uh, today we unboxed some new Novix uh stands and new ladder stands. Speaking of Barry, you crawl up in that Novix ladder stand. That First th- reaction. That thing is fine. It is. It's like, this is the the best way I can describe the new Novix ladder stand. 
you've never seen a ladder stand this nice because no one's ever built one this nice. Absolutely. It's legit. And look, if you're looking for a $150 ladder stand, this ain't <laughs> yeah, it, bro. No. But I'm going to tell you, okay, the, the the box says win back your Saturday, I think is what, or take back your Saturday. And like, seriously, um, a, a Walmart brand or Bass Pro, Pro Shop man, two-man ladder or one-man ladder, it'll take you four or five hours, and I guarantee you you're going to have to go rob parts off something else because you're going to lose parts, and it's made out of junk. I put this one together in six minutes. It may have been five minutes.